We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Wednesday, May the 13th, 2020. On today's show, we continue our 2020 opponent preview series. We're talking the East Carolina Pirates today, breaking down East Carolina. We'll talk about ECU's head coach, how they did a season ago, their best returning players on offense and defense, give an overall outlook for East Carolina and the Week 2 matchup in Columbia as well. Also, news and notes to get into your listener questions. We've got a fantastic show for you guys, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use, and the only one I recommend. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Guys, the quarantine's coming to an end. We are getting closer and closer and closer back to real live sports with fans, I might add. I think we're getting back close to that. When you can get your tickets, you can already buy tickets for football season, for, for, for other events in the fall. SeatGeek is the way to go. they got a great ticket rating system which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So never again do you have to scalp or are you going to have to worry about am I overpaying for these tickets? Where are these seats? Am I getting the best bang for my buck? SeatGeek does all of that for you guys. They've really changed the game when it comes to ticket buying. They're going to give you that peace of mind to know, again, hey, I'm getting the best bang for my buck. I'm getting the best value. I know that I'm not overpaying for tickets. I am getting the most value out of my purchase. So, again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. Let's get it. Chris Phillips, your host the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a packed show. Very, very excited. Uh, before we get into everything, again, hope everybody's having a fantastic Wednesday, a fantastic hump day. Hope you're all healthy. Hope you're all safe, of course. A uh, couple things, a couple housekeeping items, as always. If you have not done so, please be sure. Click the pause button right now. Rate the show. Leave it five stars. Leave your thoughts, your feedback. It's a great place to do so. And also, it helps boost up the podcast. For those that have maybe never heard of the Spurs Up show or aren't familiar with it, if you go leave five stars, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, what have you, take five seconds. Again, you can write up a feedback. You don't have to. At least go leave five stars. Again, it helps boost up the podcast, helps others find it. And for those that have already done that, I really, truly do appreciate it. 
Also, if you're listening to the show and you are not subscribed, I really don't know what you're doing, click that subscribe button. You're going to get the daily notifications when the podcast drops because we are back to releasing daily shows. And I'm obviously very, very fired up about that, as you guys heard on Monday. But you're going to get those daily notifications. It's a lot of podcasts to keep up with. So make sure you are notified. I know a lot of you guys commute. A lot of you guys, obviously, everybody works, but a lot of people commute. The shows drop at 5 a.m. every single morning. You can listen to it on your morning commute. That's exactly why I make sure they release at that time. So make sure you're subscribed so you're getting those daily notifications of when the show drops. Also, a lot of you have been asking, Chris, how can we support the Spurs Up show right now during the quarantine, during the pandemic, if you will? If you guys want to, and again, It's a big, if you want to, nobody has to. We do have a Patreon page. If you're unfamiliar with what Patreon is, it is basically a website where people can support their favorite creators. You can support people that do podcasts, that make art, that, uh, you know, run smaller types of businesses, that have a certain craft, skill, whatever that they sell to people. Patreon is that website. If you search the Spurs Up show there, there are different tiers. It's like $2, $5, and $7 per month. If you guys want to support, I'm very appreciative. If not, no big deal, but I want to let everybody know that's been asking me, hey, how can we support the Spurs Up show? If you guys want to do that, feel free. If not, no big deal, but I do want to make you guys aware that that is an option. All right, let's dive into the show. I'm very, very excited for this show today. Again, we're continuing with the football content, the 2020 opponent preview series. And I'm excited because today, the opponent we're talking about and how intriguing this game is to me. Obviously, South kind of opening up with three straight home games. This is the second of those three, and it is the East Carolina Pirates. Saturday, September the 12th, South going to host East Carolina at williams Bryce Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina. When you take a look at the all-time series record, South Carolina leads it 14-5. and five. Uh, These have been some really, really, really good meetings, though. The last meeting, South Carolina beat ECU in 2016. You guys will remember, that was Will Muschamp's first season in Columbia. It was a 20-15 to 15 game, and a game that you could really argue East Carolina probably should have won. Uh, a lot of red zone turnovers. You know, I don't want to say lucky breaks or anything because South Carolina's defense Played phenomenal that game. I remember specifically Jamarcus King had a huge game in that one, had a big pick in the end zone that that kept ECU. But I think ECU got down to the red zone four times and scored, I think, seven points or something like that. So South Carolina holding on for dear life. But you look at these games, 2014, the two teams bet, and Spurrier's uh, his second last season, South Carolina won 33-23. Uh, 2012 was a big blowout, 48-10. to 10. And then 2011, that was the interesting game in Charlotte, North Carolina, where Connor Shaw actually started the game. Steven Garcia came in late, mounted a rally, 56-37. Carolina gets the win. Um, and then before that, the two teams hadn't played since 1999. But a lot of close games lately – And ECU, you know, I talked about Coastal Carolina. ECU also a very proud football program. they got a great fan base in Greenville, very rowdy, raucous environment. And there have been some good matchups. So, again, South Carolina getting the best of ECU 14-5 in the series. But you know East Carolina is going to come into this one, uh, playing it really up as their Super Bowl, sort of like we saw App State do a year ago. Uh, The 2019 record for East Carolina, it it was a rough 2019 campaign for these guys. Four and eight overall, one and seven in the conference. I mean, you take a look. They started their season getting blasted by NC State. Uh, win over Gardner-Webb, big loss to Navy, uh, beat William & Mary. At Old Dominion, they got a close win, lost to Temple, lost to UCF. 
lost to USF, lost really close to Cincinnati, lost to SMU, beat UConn, and then lost to Tulsa. So a really, really tough season. They're adjusting to a new head coach. I want to talk about that really quickly. And that is where we'll start breaking down East Carolina going in this 2020 season. Their head coach, Mike Houston. Mike Houston going into his second year. Obviously, again, 4-8 and eight in the first year. He's an offensive-minded coach. Um, combined six conference championships and a national title in nine seasons as a, as a collegiate head coach. Again, he is a guy that he has won before. He has a national title to his credit. A guy that is an offensive guy. They, you know, East Carolina last year eclipsed the 400-yard mark on six occasions. Um, a unit that stood 22nd nationally in passing yards per game with about 289 yards per game. Um, so they were really good offensively. Defensively is where they really, really, really struggled. <laughs> really struggled. Uh, by the way, Mike Houston's national title. I know a lot of people are wondering, who did he get that with? James Madison in 2016. So not at the D1 or not at the FBS level, um, but the FCS level is where he got his national title. I know a lot of ECU fans right now are, you know, a little uneasy about it, a little uneasy about Mike Houston. I talked to some people that are ECU fans or follow ECU football pretty closely, and Mike Houston, the verdict is definitely still out on him. Um, the, the verdict's definitely still out. So we'll see how that goes for them. Um, we went over the 2019 schedule. When you take a look at the best returning players on offense and on defense, we will start on offense. And ECU, I talked about they're really good. They were good last year offensively against the competition they played. They've got a really solid quarterback returning. And quarterback Holton Arlers, I'm probably going to mispronounce that terribly. It's A-H-L-E-R-S. I can't even spell it right now. Uh, he's a junior signal caller quarterback, Holton Ehlers. I'm going to say Ehlers. We're going to go with that. 3,387 passing yards last season, 21 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He also had 359 rushing yards and six touchdowns for ECU. So a guy that can do a little bit of both. He can run it. He can throw it. And, again, certainly South Carolina's defense is going to get a test out of the gate. You know, we already talked about um, the Gamecocks defense, some of the guys they have to replace on some past shows. You know, obviously the secondary going to be a strength of the Gamecocks team. But Holton Ehlers is going to be a guy that South Carolina is certainly going to have to account for. Now, Outside of him, um, there are questions with ECU offensively, but that is why, again, Holton Ehlers, the quarterback, is the best player for the Pirates offensively. He is their leader. There's no question. If you stop the quarterback play, it's going to be really, really tough for ECU to get anything going offensively. Uh, defensively, their best returning player, Xavier Smith, the inside linebacker, junior. Uh, in my opinion, their best returning player, really, really solid player, veteran guy. Led their team in tackles as a sophomore, actually, uh, in 2019 at, at 81 total tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. One of the big things I saw looking at ECU stats, and I think this is crazy, they lose this guy, Kendall Futrell. He had 16 tackles for loss last year. 16 tackles for loss. That's a hell of a season. Um, but again, Xavier Smith, 81 total tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. He's a guy, just a really solid player all over the field, and really, again, an ECU defense that is going to be looking to have a rebound season for sure, um, you know, he's going to be the leader. There's no question he's going to be the leader of that defense. One thing off the record, really not off the record, but one thing kind of a side note here, talking about ECU, uh, what's really interesting, ECU, they return 83% of their players from last season. That's fourth in the country 
Um, they also have four new defensive coaches. Like I said, defense was a huge problem for them last year. So they sort of cleaned house on the defensive side. They have a new defensive coordinator, Blake Harrell, who is at Kennesaw, Kennesaw State and the Citadel. So really, really interesting for ECU because, again, offensively, not bad. They, they were not bad a year ago. I, I know their, their leading rusher just had 3.6 yards per carry. But eight offensive starters come back for them. They have 37 starts across the offensive line. Um, so, again, given the overall outlook for ECU, this is a team that has a ton of experience coming back. But will that experience pan out? You know, the thing about experience, people talk about, oh, you have so many guys returning. Well, is it good experience? Are they good players? You'd, have, you'd rather have a really, 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 really talented freshman than a, a senior guy who, ain't, who just isn't worth a damn. I mean, that's just, you know, call a spade a spade. When you take a look at ECU's schedule, though, I would say by far the toughest game is definitely the Week 2 matchup in Columbia, but they go Marshall at home to open the season, at South Carolina, Norfolk State at home, UCF at home on a Thursday night, I might add, uh, at Georgia State, at USF, versus Navy, at Tulsa, versus Tulane, at Cincinnati on a Thursday night, which should, which should be an interesting game, at Temple, and then versus SMU. Um, again, this program is really interesting in a really interesting spot because it's very similar to how we talked about Coastal Carolina on Monday, I feel like. Very, very proud program. I, when I think of ECU football, you know, I maybe don't think of like the championships and title town and stuff like that, but I mean, you, we all remember when Skip Holtz was there, and this has been a really proud program. And again, a game that South Carolina has just struggled in. I mean, ECU, you know – it's it's been a team that's really given South Carolina fits when the two teams have played. Um, again, East Carolina is looking to rebuild that program. The Pirates are looking to get back to what they once were, which again, like I said, I don't think is you know title town or anything crazy like that. But a really tough out. I mean, this has been a team you felt like every single year was pulling some big upset. I mean, I I can't think of how many times you read on the bottom line: East Carolina beats Virginia Tech. East Carolina beats NC State. East Carolina beats North Carolina. Like, it seems like they're good for an upset every single year. Again, last year was a terrible year for them. They've had a couple years rough stretch. And, again, is Mike Houston the guy to turn them around? I, I, again, I know people in Greenville are very skeptical of that. Um, but we'll see. But, again, East Carolina, a lot of talent offensively. You know, you look at the 2020 season, like I said, a lot of talent offensively. They got a solid quarterback, a junior quarterback. Defensively is where it gets sort of murky for them. I've talked about this game a decent amount, and as we get farther in the summer and I give my predictions and stuff like that, we're definitely going to dive into it even more. But I'll just tell you guys, this game scares the living shit out of me for South Carolina. And I know a lot of Gamecock fans are going to say, oh, here we go. Here comes the negativity. Here comes – pessimistic Chris I'm really not trying to be this game just simply scares the shit out of me this feels like one of those I don't even want to call it a trap game I really don't I'll be very curious to see what the line will be for this game uh, in week two again the game's going to be in Columbia I think it's going to be an all-out fight I, I, I really do I mean listen South Carolina should win the football game I'm not debating that South Carolina should win the football game but what scares me is you're talking about a South Carolina football team Guys, I can't chalk this up. I'm going to chalk it up as a win. I'm going to predict it as a win. I'm just going to tell you guys that right now. But I'm not just going to laugh this game off and say, oh, if South Carolina throws their helmets on the field, they're going to win the football game. We're talking about a South Carolina team that lost to Appalachian State about, what, seven months ago? On senior night in a night game at williams Bryce. Yeah, playing a noon game on a hot 
September day against ECU has me a, a little worried. Has me sweating a little, no pun intended, literally and figuratively. Um, again, this ECU program coming off four and eight, same as South Carolina. You know, I, I don't think Coastal is really going to have the bodies to match up with South Carolina. And I'm not saying ECU much more so does than Coastal, but this is a game that just makes me nervous. This is a game that makes me nervous. And again, I don't want to call it a trap game. I, I think it's going to be a legitimate good football game. Now, it'll depend on where the Gamecocks are as a team, but this game does scare me, even with it being at home. It's just one of those games where it's like ECU has been so close to getting South Carolina. They really have. I mean, the last couple of times, again, you talk to ECU people up in Greenville, and they've been close. ECU's been close. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. You hope this isn't the year that that type of upset happens, and obviously if it does, I mean, we all know that, you know, people whose jobs are on the line a.k.a. Will Muschamp going in this season. We all know what's at stake. I mean, you lose to ECU, there's there's a whole other conversation. But, again, it's a game looking at East Carolina specifically because I'll give my, you know, my, my official prediction uh, late as we get later into the summer. But this is a game where South Carolina should have the – should have the advantage, should be able to win this matchup. I think ECU right now, I've got them going five and seven, about where I'm going to have them, you know, obviously fighting to get back to what they once were. Don't think they're quite there yet. I just don't think they have the bodies defensively. Holton Aylers, from what I've seen, though, and reading his statistics and everything, he seems like he's a pretty solid player, though. And, you know, that's where you feel decent if you're South Carolina in the sense that your secondary should be the strength of your team or one of the strengths of your team. Um, you know, you should have two pretty, pretty, pretty damn elite corners, I should say. Those guys should be really, really good back there for you. Um, so, yeah. So, again, ECU 5-7 and seven overall for them in 2020. But I, I really think, you know, again, a game you should win. But I, I think this is one of the more intriguing games of the season. Because, again, similar to what App State did, almost identical to probably what App State did, you know ECU is going to treat this as their Super Bowl. I mean, they, ECU could go 3-9 and nine in 2020, but if they beat South Carolina, I mean, I'm not going to say the season's going to be a success, quote-unquote, but will be a huge win for their program. Again, this is a game you know they have circled. You know it's a game they want to win badly, and I'm sure they're going to come into Columbia, and while they might be outmanned, they're going to play that way. So South Carolina better be ready to match that intensity because, again, you saw what could happen last year. You lost to Appalachian State. Don't let it happen again. So, again, really, I'm really excited for the game, honestly. I feel like when South Carolina, East Carolina, when they meet up, Two passionate fan bases, these teams. It seems to be a really good battle, at least the last couple of years. So I'm excited for this game, personally. I'm very, very excited for this game. Um, all right, moving off that, one quick note to get to, a quick recruiting note. Gamecocks do make top six for Tyreon Ingram Dawkins. Uh, Tyreon Ingram Dawkins, the defensive tackle. Um, he was actually set to announce his college decision on Sunday at 3 p.m., has since said on Twitter he's not going to do that. He's going to take some time, which I, I'm not surprised at all. But the Gaffney, excuse me, the Gaffney product, one of the top-rated players in the state of South Carolina. And listen, I, I have I have voiced my concerns over recruiting. I, I, I know this that is no no surprise to anyone, or no, no that, that's not news to anyone. I have. Um, Sorry, guys, I'm just Googling these rankings here really quickly. Um, I, I voiced my concerns that the 2021 recruiting class 
is going to be it's going to be a rough year for recruiting. I, I just I just think it is. You know, it's going to be a rough year for recruiting. Um, here we take a look at the two four seven composite. Yeah, he's a second ranked player in the state of South Carolina. So one of the top players, probably depending on the service you look at, arguably the top rated player in the player in the state of South Carolina. This is one of those guys you have to get. It's one of those you have to be able to keep, at least, if nothing else, keep these guys home. His top six, obviously South Carolina. Then you got Florida State, Tennessee, who's been on a tear, Penn State, Georgia, and North Carolina, who's been on a tear. So, I mean, there's some legitimate threats. There's there's some legitimate schools that you are going up against, especially with Tennessee and UNC and the the the, the momentum they have recruiting, which is insane. Obviously, we've talked about it already. So, Tyrion Tyrion Ingram Dawkins is a guy you absolutely, absolutely have to find a way to get. No questions asked. Um, all right, let's get into your listener questions. We'll wrap up the show. Quick one today. Um, got a lot of good listener questions. Adam underscore Madison is Skyler Mead a great pitching coach, or do you think they need someone else? I wish the season would have gotten him in playing out. Skyler Mead is interesting. I don't know that the book is fully written on Skyler Mead. I think it's too early to say what type of pitching coach he is. And again, he's a young guy, and you expect he'll get a lot better as he coaches for more and more years. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't think you can say right now, you can't judge him his entire career, say, oh, he's a great pitching coach, or he's not. But there are definitely some things he does that I'm not a huge fan of. I don't love that he visits the mound on a 2 1 count. I don't like that he changes pitchers in the middle of counts. Just those little things. Um, and I think if the Gamecocks pitching staff especially had another rough season, there was definitely going to be some some chirping, some chattering, if you will, in Columbia. Um, you know, you question, and I hate to say this, but you question, is the job too big for Skyler Mead? Like, is the job maybe a little more than he was ready to handle? Again, he's going to come back, no questions asked. He's going to come back next year. The entire staff will, and I'm not advocating they shouldn't. But the leash is short on all those guys. And I think especially – I think South Carolina next year – I think South Carolina baseball in 2021 could have a solid season, get back to the postseason. But if the pitching staff struggles in ways that we've seen – I think there could be a change. I really do. I think there could be a change. And I don't want to – because here's the thing. I don't want to give the pitching coach too much credit or too much blame, but it definitely has an effect. I mean, you're, you're, you're hearing this from someone who was a pitcher on a college team. Again, not South Carolina, but I played at Newberry College. And I can tell you the pitching coach, the guy you have there, it, it, it makes a difference. There's no question. It makes a difference. It makes a difference in guys' confidences. It makes a difference in the overall approach, the mentality. It makes a huge difference. So, you know, I think another rough year with the pitching staff and that 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 position, that coaching position will at least be evaluated, no doubt. Um, Weston Karstetter, should we get at least one five-star recruit every cycle? You know, it's tough to – I'll tell you this. First thing I'll say, you never know because of the cycles and, you know, um, what guys are available. I mean, you never know if it's going to be – what type of year it's going to be in recruiting? Short answer, though, is yes, in my opinion. I don't think that's unrealistic. I don't know why that would be unrealistic. Why is it unrealistic to think we shouldn't be in the, in the running for, you know, one, two, maybe three, five stars every cycle? Why is that unrealistic? Why, why is that an outlandish thought? You know, at least one guy. We should be able to, you think, to pull one five-star guy. 
it's not like there's only like five five stars in the entire country. There's a good bit of them. I mean, there's a decent amount. So do I think that's realistic? I, I would think so. You know, if you pull a class and every kid is a four-star and 90% of them are and you don't get a five-star, I'm not going to sit here and say the class was a failure. But, I mean, I, I think you should be able to. That, that's just the way I would look at it. Uh, ben Smitty, 2017. He's got a couple questions here. Is Kingston on the hot seat? <sighs> I, his seat's not hot. It is, it is lukewarm, I would say, maybe. His seat's not hot, though. His seat's not hot. Listen, we don't know how 2020 would have played out. We don't know how this season would have played out, unfortunately. Now, if South Carolina baseball misses the postseason next year, his seat will be scorching. I, I don't know that you fire him after next year. I really don't. It depends on how it goes. I don't know. I don't say the seat is crazy, crazy hot or anything, but it's simmering. We'll put it that way. It is simmering. Um, his next question do you think UNC will be a better football program in five years in South Carolina? What a question. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I don't think long-term UNC will ever be a better football program than South Carolina. I don't think that football is a big enough priority at North Carolina. The, the fan support is not the same for the football program as it is at South Carolina. Being in the SEC – gives you an advantage the financial commitment you know the facilities I mean God forbid the facilities so no I don't think so I don't think so I mean UNC is obviously very hot and recruiting and stuff and Mac Brown is really he's having the Spurrier effect on that program there's no question he's having the Spurrier effect I don't think so though I don't think there'll be a better program um his last question do you expect Birch to make an impact next year uh I think he'll play I definitely think he will play. How big of an impact does he make? You know, that's left to be determined. But I do, I do think he'll make it uh, somewhat of an impact. I mean, again, you don't have to ask – or you don't have to ask a lot of him because you have other playmakers on that defense. But I think he will play. You know, again, how, much, how big of an impact? Uh, we'll see. As a true freshman, you never know. But I, I certainly do think he will make some sort of an impact, yes. Um, S crush seven thoughts on AJ Lawson returning starting five for next season. Well, we don't know 110% if AJ Lawson is going to be back unless there's something, you know, that I don't, I'm going to assume AJ Lawson will be back though. And I think you're starting five Kusnard Lawson, uh, Keyshawn McCreary will be down low. And then the other spot will probably be seventh woods. So that that's my guess. Uh, Heath Watson, 55 favorite restaurants in Columbia. It's a great question there. Um, just off the top of my head, love Palmetto Pig for some barbecue. Absolutely love Palmetto Pig. Um, Paulie's is a great spot. Salty Nut's a great spot. Mm, I don't go out to eat a ton. I normally cook at home, to be honest with you. Uh, I will say, <laughs> this is going to be funny. I love this hibachi place. Sushi and hibachi to go. Love that place. Love teapot for some Asian food. Great. Um, I think the place is called Vela's across the bridge in Casey. I think that's what it's called. I could be completely wrong. Um, that's a great little spot, little little hole in the wall type spot. Um, I don't think I'm forgetting any. Yeah, that's pretty much all I can think of. So, 
I mean, I, you know, obviously all the, I'm trying to think of like local places more so. But man, Palmetto Pig, that barbecue, whoo, that but that that buffet, whoo, phenomenal, love it. Um, all right, couple more questions and we'll wrap it up. Um, cut of gentlemen, my buddy, we getting new unis or not? LOL. I don't know. We might be getting the full throwback, uh, the full throwback set, which I know neither one of us would be upset about. Which so I, I think that'll happen. Uh, let's see. This is about ECU. Phil Dan Milne. I, I may be saying that wrong. Phil Dan Milne, whatever. Should we be scared of their quarterback? Seems legit. I, I don't think scared's the right word, but you definitely be better be keeping an eye on him. I think we should be very aware that ECU has a solid quarterback. And if you're not careful, he might be able to beat you. Again, he can do it with his legs, do it with his arm. Solid little player. Um, you know, again, they have questions on other – you know, with other aspects of their offense, but some experience on the O-line, experience behind center, going to make any team at least a little dangerous on the offensive side. So I think South Carolina's got the guys on defense to stop those guys, but you better be ready to play. That's all I'll say. You better be ready to play. Um, Last question. CP3 underscore presents underscore. Why does Muschamp brag that he has more wins in his first three seasons than any other coach at USC? Well, he's trying to sell to a fan base that he's the answer. I think that's really what it comes down to. And I hate it. Trust me, I hate it. I hate it. I, I was watching some Spurrier clips the other day, and I miss the honesty of Steve Spurrier. I miss Steve Spurrier telling it like it is. I really, really do. I would rather, you know, have that. I'd rather have that than you try to feed me some bullshit. I really, really would. Because bragging about having the most wins in the first three years of coaching at South Carolina – and you can get mad at me if you want. People listening, you can get mad, but it's like being the tallest midget. It's not that big of an accomplishment. That's something that every coach we should be hiring should be breaking that mark. It's not some unachievable mark. It's really not. It's not. You know? I mean, are we ever going to get to the point where we hire a coach and he wins? He goes, he goes 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 10 and 2. Boom. There you go. Set the precedent. Is that ever going to happen? I just why why even hang your hat on that? But the reason Muschamp continuously brings it up is because he's trying to sell to a fan base and trying to keep his job and trying to convince people he's the right guy for the job. And I mean, I don't agree with the tactic. I think it's I think it's lame. I think it's loser tactic. But you know, is what it is. So that's that's a topic for another show. But really do appreciate you guys tuning in again. Uh, very excited, man. Daily shows are back again, like I said. Um, appreciate you guys taking the time again. Hope you're staying safe, staying well. Everyone you know, your friends, family, your colleagues are staying safe, staying well as well. Uh, and again, appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a fantastic interview coming up tomorrow, so make sure you tune into that. And I will talk to you guys on Friday. Thanks so much. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.